This episode wouldn't be possible without our sponsor, Ghost Lab. Synchronized cross-browser and mobile testing taken to the next level. We'll tell you more about Ghost Lab later in the show. This is Unfinished Business, the show that talks about the business end of web, design, and creative industries. This is episode 34, and today is Friday, the 30th of August, 2013. Show hosted by me, Andy Clark, and by my co-host, Pork Bun Aficionado. She can't get enough buns. She's always hungry, Anna Debenham. Hello. Did you miss me? A bit. I, I missed you writing the show notes. <laughs> Is that all? <laughs> yeah. I like the way that you took the mickey out of me with our guests. Yeah. I was looking forward to each one. No, it was good. It was good. <laughs> People always seem to like the show better when I'm not on it. But no, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed tuning in every Monday. Oh, I, I enjoyed it as well. The recording it, I mean. Yeah, no, it was good. Some good choices. I couldn't have thought about anybody better. So we'll, we'll talk about some of those things that you... We'll do some follow-up on some of the things that you talked about. It'd be nice. Yeah. How was France? Do you know, it was lovely. It was really, really nice. I had probably the really the very first holiday where I've been able just to switch off completely from Ooh. the minute that we get there to the minute that we came home. It was great. Did you not, like, check emails or anything at all? Oh, no. Like, I checked emails virtually, well, every other day. But, you know, I think we've mentioned this before, but I used to have to go to Narbonne, which is a town about half an hour away, to get email because mm. it was like a cyber cafe. This is when we first started going there. And then Wi-Fi has progressively got closer and closer. <laughs> so... A couple of years later, then we started going to McDonald's and just using free Wi-Fi there. But we'd be doing like twice a week. We'd go to the supermarket, stop off at McDonald's, buy a Coke and check, check email. And then a couple of years ago, we realized that they had Wi-Fi at Cafe de la Poste in the next town, which is like a five minute drive away in the little mm. village. So Alex and I would get up and, you know, we'd go to the bakery in the morning and just stop off and have a cup of coffee and check Wi-Fi again, yeah, every couple of days. Yeah. But the place that we stay was always like a, an oasis. You know, there's virtually no mobile signal and there wasn't any Wi-Fi. So anyway, we'd been there for about a week and a half and Alex and I are sitting one morning at the cafe in the, the village next door. And, you know, I'm sitting there doing a little bit of checking email and, you know, catching up on Twitter and uploading some stuff. And we see Pascal and Monique, who own the place that we stay in. And they went, mm. do you not know we have Wi-Fi now at the place? <laughs> I'm like, oh, God, didn't know that. And there's a, an old manor house in the middle of the property. Um, <laughs> that's where they live. And there's a, there's like a communal room, you know, you're allowed to go in there and sit and it's, it's a beautiful oh, right. old thing. So there's not Wi-Fi in the little cottage that we stay in, but you only have to walk across the property and go into this big room and then they have Wi-Fi. And it was like, boom, that was it. So from that moment, you have, you have to be really self-disciplined not to, you know, be constantly on. Yeah. So it did change the dynamic a little bit, but I didn't, only towards the end of the last week did I get involved in any work stuff. Yeah. Um, I saved up all my emails from the three weeks. Um, 
and I would quickly bash off a message to say, I'm on holiday. This doesn't look very urgent. I'll, I'll call you in a, in a bit. Mm. And I saved all those things up. And then I spent one morning in the last week just piling through it all. Just so that when I came home, you I weren't really, have... really stressed. Yeah, exactly. And I didn't have a lot to deal with. So, you know, I had some wipe-o kind of, you know, bits and pieces finishing off and whatever. But it's weird because last time we went on holiday, I redesigned our website. <laughs> and I think the time before that, I did some work for us. I, I wouldn't do client work on holiday, but I would, you know, maybe, you know, I think I started writing a book on on another one. Yeah, that's the sort of thing that I do when I take holiday. Because I can't just switch. I put a load of books on the Kindle um, and I didn't finish any of them. So usually I'll do a little bit of work on, you know, stuff for us. This time, didn't touch it. I just completely enjoyed, you know, walking around, taking photos till my camera broke. <laughs> oh, it's really annoying. I'm going to have to send it off. So, no, it was good. And we managed to switch off. And it was really lovely because Alex still enjoys coming up away on holiday with us, which is, you know, unusual, I think. Mm. I don't know many 21-year-olds that would want to, you know, go on holiday with their parents. But, you know, we, we we just hang out. You know, it's like three mates. So it was nice. Um, And the drive down there was, you know, uneventful. Drive back was uneventful. It's nice. It's all part of the adventure. <laughs> Oh, I'm glad you had a good time. Yeah, no, it was good. And uh, we came home and Neil, our decorator, um, done a fantastic job on the decorating for the front room. He's done the porch, he's done the front room, he's done the upstairs landing. It all looks amazing. We've got new carpet. We had the furniture in the living room recovered. Ooh. Yeah, well, it was just... we We bought these sofas. There used to be this place nearby. Um, this factory where they made Marks and Spencer's furniture. And it was made up here somewhere, you know, sofas and armchairs and stuff. Didn't and they, they do furniture? Yeah. And they had this uh, outlet where, up in North Wales, where they would sell seconds, you know, like not quite shop quality goods. Mm. You know, there might be a, a scratch on something or, you know, what well, I, I can't remember what the details were. And we, because we didn't have any money, this is about... When we moved into this house, it'd be like about 15 years ago. And we didn't have any money. So we just bought, you know, a couch and a couple of armchairs from this, you know, from this factory shop. And, uh, and it cost us like 500 quid. And, but they're just really nice. And we just didn't want to get rid of it. We, you know, we didn't see any point in kind of just chucking it all in the skip. Hmm. So there's like a local upholsterer's and while we were away, they took away the furniture and they've recovered it with all new fabric. Ah, oh, it looks brilliant. <laughs> and it was expensive to have it done, but it wasn't as expensive as... As buying you new. Know. Yeah. And you know what? We actually went to... Have you been in one of like a furniture store? No, recently? I don't think I have. Oh, God, they are so Unless you include Ikea in that. Well, actually, IKEA is probably the best. But if you go into one of these horrible places like DFS or something, see the ads on the telly. Oh, God. I mean, you're in there. You start soul destroying. <laughs> and you're in there for like about 35 seconds and you get some bloke in a worn out grey suit coming up to you. You know, can I help you? <laughs> Looks like he's kind of covered in cobwebs. <laughs> and it's just gross. Modern furniture is just gross. 
So, well, we didn't want to do that. So it was nice to get the other stuff recovered, which is good. So, yeah. Cool. Malaki's cat didn't want to come home. No. <laughs> From the, did you send her to a cattery? <laughs> yeah. Oh, poor, poor cat. Shouldn't really laugh. But in the couple of days before we went away, Neil was like knocking seven bells out of the front room. And he's, you know, he's got his grindery thing going and, you know, he's cutting holes in the wall and, you know, chasing all the, all the, uh, the wiring. Hmm. So this poor cat, she's, she's literally, she's hiding in the corner upstairs. She's like shaking. So I know it's really sad. Even I actually felt really sad for her. I'm like, you know, I hate the bloody thing. Anyway, (laughs) so so anyway, Sue took her to the cattery. And then, you know, she's away for what was, must have been a month. And uh, they go and pick her up the other day. And they opened up the the door to the, you know, like the the area in the cattery where the cat was. Yeah. And uh, and Lucy the cat, she she looked at Sue and Alex and just turned her back and walked in the opposite direction. Oh, burn. It's like, oh, I don't <laughs> want to come home with you. <laughs> so that was really funny. So in the end, they had to like drag her kicking and screaming <laughs> to come home. And then she just spent the next two days yowling because she oh. didn't recognize anything. So, uh, yeah, we haven't quite, we haven't quite let her be in the front room on her own yet, just in case she claws something. <laughs> Poor cat. So, yeah. So, that was good. It was good. And uh, I got new apes. The final apes arrived. I wondered how long it would be before you mentioned apes. Yeah. No, my final Kubricks have arrived now, so I've got nothing else ape-related to spend my money on. So, I don't know what I'm going to do now. iPhone. Won't be long to get a new iPhone. <laughs> I've not been paying any attention to that. I put a link in the show notes actually to um a photo of the new colours. Have a look at that, see what you think. Colours? Is this confirmed or is this just well, a rumor? It's kind of, it's rumours, but they look pretty authentic. I think. Because I'm gonna get a new one after the, you know, after being robbed. Um I've been borrowing that iPhone 4 from uh my friend Richard. Thanks, mate. So, you know, then I can get a new phone, five S or whatever it's called. So, but actually, I think that I might get the girly white one this time. I've never had a white phone. Why it's not girly? <laughs> Kenneth's got a white phone. <laughs> Has he now? <clears throat> no, I've always thought that the that the um, that the black one was best. Let's say I've always had black everything. But... I've just got the black one because it hides the dirt. Mm, well, I think I might go white because I think it might look nicer with iOS seven. So anyway, so there's these colours. That they said for this pr- supposed iPhone 5C. They are so horrible. They look like the, um, the iPod colours. I mean, Apple just can't do good colours on things. I mean, the black and white looks fine, but I really, really, really don't like the colours of the iPods either. I think they're alright. Yeah. I quite like the product red. I've got a red iPod shuffle. Knocking about somewhere. Yuck. Have you seen the Nintendo 2DS? Oh, the new one. The new, yeah, new, I, new one. Well, I saw an article on it. I clicked through and there was a very tiny picture of it and someone saying it was horrible. But I didn't really have time to kind of read much into it because um, I was quite busy. But I guess it's. I guess I'm going to have to get it for the for the browser lab. And I just I don't think. Know. The, the, I mean, it's meant to be like a really good kind of budget device, but 
without that clamshell, how are you going? I mean, it, it's kind of like a Game Boy, but with two screens. And one of the screens is, of course, smaller than, than the other screen. Um, and I don't know. It just, what's it going to do that the DS doesn't other than not close? And well, the, the, the clamshell thing is really useful because when you've got those kind of knobbly buttons, you don't want them catching on anything. I don't know. I haven't got one. But I, th- I read something that Garrett Murray wrote about mm. it. And I think it's just designed to be cheaper. You know, it's just, okay, yeah. let's take the let's take the 3D thing away and everything else is the same. So I bet the browser's going to be pretty much the same as in the 3DS, isn't it? Uh, yeah, I guess it will be. Um, I'd like to see. But, yeah, the, they never needed the 3D. I mean, I've got a 3DS and I use it pretty much every day. And I, I sometimes I turn the 3D on just... But I, I can't do it for more than 10 minutes without annoying me because you've got to hold it in such a specific way. And it's just not a comfortable angle. And yeah, just it's it's just such a kind of it's such bad quality 3D as well. It just doesn't feel very useful. I, I think they just put it in there as a kind of marketing thing. So I, I, I predict that their future devices aren't going to have 3D in them. I don't know. I haven't bought a Nintendo for ages. Did you get, did you ever have a Game Boy? Or did you get one for Alex? I had the original Game Boy, the black and white one. In fact, I still have that Game Boy. They were good. And it still works. The screen is broken, so there's no plastic over the LCD. All right. But And I think the battery compartments got lost at some point. Um, but everything else still works. And I've still got cartridges for it. I've still got Super Mario Land <laughs> and Tetris and a few other things. I've still got a Game Boy and I've only got one cartridge for it, but I used to really like my friends had, um, you know, the Pokemon game. Mm. Uh, and that looked amazing, especially when the color three color, when the color Game Boys came out, it just looks so amazing. Like, wow, wow, this is the most amazing thing ever. I like the black and white. In fact, when we were in Japan not that long ago, uh, there was some stores up in uh, Akihambra, the electronics district. Mm. And they were just jam-packed full of old consoles. You know, you could buy like a SNES and a Nintendo 64 and loads of Game Boys and those, uh, dear, what were the Sega handheld ones called? God. Uh. Uh, drive, uh, I don't know. Somebody's going to tell me on Twitter. Um, you just buy them and they weren't expensive. They're really not expensive at all. Mm. I love the old consoles. <laughs> But yeah, I'm looking forward to when the new PS4 and the Xbox comes out. Is that going to have a different browser in the Xbox to what we've got now? Um, I'm not sure that's kind of why I've pre-ordered it, but um, the, there's some interesting features like you can browse the internet while watching TV, kind of having it, being able to switch different inputs as well. Um, that really fascinates me. I think it's going to, it's going to influence a lot of, a lot of, what we do i think but i would think that because <laughs> it's your thing no i haven't given it an awful lot of thought to be honest because then you know i don't tend to play games or or look at stuff on telly but mm. but yeah i think it's good to see what what's kind of where things are, are sort of heading do we have any um follow-up from last episode yeah what i'd like to do yeah, i think we should talk about some of the things that came up actually because like i said i really enjoyed it and there were some good conversations too some good topics um so yeah it'd be nice to to kind of have a bit of a wrap-up really 
Yeah. On that stuff. But before we get onto that, um, you know, I've got this beef about people hiring freelancers and they're not paying them until they get paid by the client. Yeah, I've got that beef as well. Oh, drives me nuts. So we got an email while I was away from uh, Andy Spicer. Hello, Andy. Um, and uh, I really like this. I don't normally kind of read out big emails on the show, but this was this was really, um, really important, I think. He said, when I started my business, my contracts with freelancers spelled out that they got paid when I got paid. My thinking was that, Often a project would drag on through no fault of mine. Basically, you know, it would be the freelancers maybe, you know, not completing things on time, something like that. But it was never his fault, right? Um, and he says, I've been processing this for weeks now and I was wrong about it. Those freelancers aren't involved in screening my clients. They don't have a lot of direct conversation with them. And they certainly don't have financial conversations. I'm their customer. I'm the one that owes them for the work that they've done. So now they get paid immediately. I get an invoice. They're happier. And so am I. I feel much more honest. That's really nice. I I read that email yesterday and it it really cheered me up. I wish everybody would do that. I mean, you know, if we had a soundboard, we could do like, you know, round of applause or something. Yeah. (laughs) Um, That's a bit cheesy. But. No, I mean, I just think everybody should work. I think they should be almost like a charter. Maybe we should, we talked about this before. I think maybe we should just write one. Yeah. Like a, uh, a freelance being hired. Yeah, exactly. Some kind of charter, which, which should say you get paid when you've done the work or in advance. We should actually write that. Mm. I think I'll write one to say the types of clients or agencies that I will work with. Um, the sorts of, standards that i expect i mean he, he's saying that um you know often project would drag on through no fault of mine yeah it's not um it might, might not be his fault it, it's usually like if the client is kind of taking ages to sign things off or taking ages to to pay him but it's also um even more not the fault of the freelancer that that projects are dragging on or that that it's taking a while for um a client to pay um i don't think you know, I'm, I'm, I'm basically, I'm really glad that he's, he's sort of changed the way that, that he's doing that because it, you know, the, the happier the freelancer is, uh, the more they're going to want to work with you. Yeah. And I don't think that if you've got somebody good, that money motivates you, right? It's like, you know, yeah. we all, we obviously have to get paid for what we do because you, know, you need to buy ice lollies and pork buns. <laughs> well, some of us do, but you don't, you know, you, you don't do it. You get somebody good. They don't do what they do or, you know, do the best job to, you know, to get that last bit of money in. Just pay somebody, you know? People tend to use, you know, money as like a, as like a hammer hanging over somebody's head. Mm. You know, it's, oh, well, you know, I'm not going to pay you until you finish the job kind of thing. Yeah. Like just- and that, that's what we were talking about last week with Sarah. Yeah, it's that's just like, why she her, she has a rule to um she won't let the client put the site live until she's been paid because otherwise they'll they'll kind of come up with changes they want made and kind of use that as as a hammer over the head. Yeah, I mean, there's nobody listening to this, is there? So I let you into a little secret. <laughs> but I've just paid Josh. You know, Josh Cleland, illustrator. Oh yeah, the one who did the the little men on your site. Yeah, he's done the scooters. Oh, he he's did great. The, yeah, he's brilliant. He did the uh, the madness things with the you know that's on the site at the moment, 
And anyway, he's he's doing a new illustration for me. We just hired him. And, you know, his standard terms and conditions is, you know, you pay me 50% up front. Hmm. I'm like, why don't I just pay you all of it? <laughs> you know, because he's not going to do a better job or do it any faster or slower because he's been paid or not been paid. It's like, what's, what's the remaining 50% for? I mean, I've got the money in the bank. Why don't I just pay the guy? Mm. You know, he's not the kind of fella that is like, oh, I'm not going to do that. Oh, now I've been paid. I think I'll go to Barbados instead of working for Andy. He's not going to, ha- it's not going to do that. You know, I guess he- if we were hardcore business people, we'd be saying, well, it's not good cash flow to do that. And ah, I guess yeah. about that. Um, so, you know, the money's sitting in the bank, just pay the guy, which is, you know, what we did. So yeah, new header coming <clears throat> at some point. Not going to tell you what it is. So talking about contracts. Which we weren't. Actually, we were, because Andy mentioned contracts in his email. Um, I know we've done three shows. We've talked quite a lot about contracts over the last few weeks. But I want to do one more. Can we do one more? Yeah. Um, maybe next week um, with a bit of follow-up. Because we've got loads and loads of emails from people um, about the contract shows. Yeah. And people talking about the clauses that they've added and some new tools. I've even seen uh, a new contract generating tool Ooh, that, cool. um, that somebody's written and put out there, which loads of stuff that we could talk about for another show. So can we do that? Please? Yeah, let's do that. Okay. We'll do that next week. Cool. Yes. Did you see the um, Alistair Part article that Laura wrote? I did. I read it today. Cool. Good designers, good clients. I loved it. I thought it was really good. Mm. Um, so Laura was saying that, that she doesn't seem to work with these sort of nightmare clients and she's been thinking about why that might be. Um, and she thinks that maybe the reason is sort of partly down to her because, uh, when she's looking at kind of potential product uh, projects, the clients that stand out most to her, are those that kind of speak passionately about their project and they, they genuinely care about the outcome. And I thought, you know, I, I could see a lot of um, similarities in that with the way that when, when I'm looking for work, um, I, I, I look for the good clients. I look for people who I want to work with and who I think really care about the project. Um, and Sarah talked about this a bit last week as well, saying um, sort of the, the types of people that she works for. Um, and, you know, it's, it's a really good article. I don't really do it justice talking about it. Um, but yeah, she's, she talks a lot about communication as well, saying that, um, you know, if you're working freelance and you're working re- remotely, uh, you think that you're going to be left for days without disruption, but that's not really a good way to work because you're not communicating with the client. Um, so yeah, if you haven't seen that, have a read of it. Um, what did you think of it? It's good. It's good. There's lots of good stuff in that actually. I mean, yeah, I don't agree with everything, but then I don't agree with everything that Sarah was talking about. Um, we'll get onto that in a minute, but I think it's difficult because I don't know that certain people will disagree with me, but a lot of it does sometimes come down to luck and you might be the best communicator and you might think you're the best kind of filterer of, you know, good or bad people. But sometimes, you know, sometimes you will, you know, you'll come a cropper Hmm. and, you know, it's happened to me plenty of times. And, you know, we all like to do it. I mean, I'm not particularly fond. I mean, it's funny. You know, that clients from hell thing is, it's funny. Um, I, you know, 
I don't know how many of those things would be made up or, you know, whether or not they'd be. <laughs> I hope some of them are made up. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure. I mean, you know, we had a client years ago, um, long, long, long time ago that phoned me up at like 10 o'clock at night to say, you know, we're not getting any orders through our website. So you know, I would leave the couch and log on and, you know, place an order uh, on their site for something small, you know, a fiver or something. And they say, right, can you check your email, see whether that order's arrived? No, it's not come. Okay, can you log on to your uh, secure trading control panel so you can check whether um, it's been delivered there, but you haven't had the email sent because then I'll know where the problem is. No, it's not getting on. I'm, I'm not getting on there. It's like, oh, is that down as well? I said, well, can you just go onto the website and um, and look up the order reference number of the of the thing that you know you ordered? Mm. Oh no, the website's not the website's not not working either. I'm like, what? And I said, yeah. So can you just do me a favor? Can you just like do Google? You know, Google.com. <laughs> no. Like, so the reason you're not getting any orders from the website is you're not on the bleeding internet. <laughs> <laughs> so you know, we all have stories to tell. You can't work in client services um, and you know not have people. And sometimes, you know, sometimes people are donuts, right? Sometimes. Sometimes uh, you're a donut. Yeah. Exactly. And yeah, there's been. I, I don't mean specifically you, but yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We can all. Be, I love donuts. We can all be <laughs> donuts at times. But if you build up a good enough relationship, I did a talk about this at Smashing Conference. Um, you know, if you build up a good enough relationship with somebody, um, and you make it such a relationship, and you have such good communication that they're able to call you out when you do something wrong, then it's only fair that you can call them out when they say something stupid. Um, and that's, you know, that's all part of, you know, developing a relationship with people. But, you know, sometimes you get it right. Sometimes you get it wrong. Mm. Um, you know, it is about communication and it is about having your process right and being confident about what you do. But, you know, as I say, some of it's about just luck too. Because, you know, on the surface, somebody might, you know, they might start off being really, really great to deal with. And then, you know, you realize after a couple of weeks that oh, they don't really know as much as they, uh, you know, <laughs> they thought they did. And you might have to hold their hand a little bit. But, you know, that's what we get into when we do client services. Yeah. Something that I found has really helped um, over the past year. I've been, I haven't been working from home. I've been working at, on site with the client. And it just makes things so much easier. Uh, you know, I can see the internal politics. I can see kind of where decisions are being made and I can back up people if they need it in a meeting, that sort of thing. Uh, that really, really helps. And yeah. I think mostly when things go wrong, it's because of bad communication. And this is something that Laura talks about is just getting the communication right. And it, it just makes sense to, to, be on, be with the client as much as you can. I mean, that's not always possible if you, if they're in a different country or something, but just make sure that you're communicating a lot and, and well as, as well, not, not kind of just on IM or something, but talk to them. Yeah. We tend to, tr we don't, we don't do it successfully all the time because, you know, sometimes we're moving about, sometimes the client's moving about, but we try to have a 10, 15 minute Skype call with a client every single morning, like a stand up. Yeah. yeah. Um, and we share the Dropbox, um, and we have like a Friday afternoon wrap up meeting, 
uh, wrapping up the week. So it's, it's pretty nice and agile. Yeah. Um, and that tends to work well, but there's nothing better than, you know, getting on a train and going and spending some days with them. I mean, that, what I'll tell you what I did like, um, our friend Harry put his new, uh, contract, uh, contractor page up, his oh, work yeah. page. Oh, I need this to week. look at this. Yeah, no, it's grand. I'll put and, a link uh, in the show notes. He, he quotes us from the show or me from the show, which is nice. Because oh. I said something, something nice about the lad. And anyway, he talks about the fact, uh, if you need me to come down and work with you, sit next to you, I'll do that. And yeah, I think more people should do that. Yeah, there's so much kind of, you can work remotely and there's a lot of tools that let you do that, but it really doesn't beat just sitting down with the client and, you know, going into their office and, and seeing the dynamics and seeing who's really in charge uh, as opposed to who is kind of running the project. Yep. And I don't think that that should be something that people go, Oh, I want to, I want to do that. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I hate commuting and I, I hate going up to London every day, but it's worth it. It's definitely worth it. I prefer that to, to working from home and not being kind of not feeling in touch with the client and not, not being able to kind of get involved with what they're doing or answer questions when they need it. No, I just think that it, you should look at this kind of, um, every opportunity that you have to get to know somebody. Um, and to develop a relationship with them, that has to be seen as, as a real positive. Mm. Um, and that's what I liked about Laura's article, actually, because she, she turned the negatives into positives. It wasn't, it wasn't a moan yeah. that she was having. Um, and I, I really liked that. Um, and actually it's, it's something that did strike me, um, listening to Sarah talk her, about her experiences last week. And I really enjoyed that show. And, you know, Sarah's a, Sarah's my favorite ferret keeper. <laughs> I love Sarah. Um, but some of the things she said just came across as, as a little bit negative to me in a way, if I'm being honest. Um, and, you know, I don't know the ins and outs of her experiences, but it, it, it just felt a little, a little bit negative. Um, and yeah, I always try to stay upbeat about things. As much as possible. Except when you're having a rant. <laughs> Except when I'm having a rant. Well, can we talk about that more in a minute? I was going to say, um, it reminded me a lot of Harry when he was talking about he wants to work with people, not for people. Um, and it, when we were talking with him. Um, yeah, and that, that's how I feel. And that's how I think you should approach it. You're working with them. You're not working for them. Well, that's the same as... Um... You know, I think when you, when you're being employed with people as, by people as well, um, I've always liked to, to think that I was doing that. Mm. Um, which is probably why I've never really worked for a big company. I just don't think that I'd fit in very well. Yeah, same. I, I, I want to be able to kind of, I don't know, feel like I'm part, part of something rather than like I'm working for someone. Yeah. Yeah. No, I just don't think it's for me. We should, um, Talk about our sponsor for this week. Yeah. It's Ghost Lab. Woohoo! If you're a responsive web designer or developer, I think you're going to really be interested in Ghost Lab. Synchronized cross-browser and mobile testing taken to the next level. So here's the problem. You're designing 
are you developing a site and you need to test that site across multiple browsers and especially now different devices like smartphones or tablets now you could you could set up a local development server and you could stiff ftp files to an external server who wants to do that then you've got the problem of keeping all the devices in sync while you test yeah you're moving around the site looking at different pages using navigation, filling in forms. You need like three pairs of hands. Um, and that's where Ghost Lab comes in. What Ghost Lab does is it synchronizes everything across different browsers and devices. So when you do something in one browser or on one device, it happens on all the others instantly. It's magic. Ah, oh, it's brilliant. You click on a link in your desktop browser and it looks like it's pressed on a smartphone. You start typing in a form input on your tablet and you look, and it's filled in across every browser or device that's connected to Ghost Lab. How does it do it? Well, what you do is you install the Ghost Lab app on your Mac, and then you drag any HTML site into the Ghost Lab window. So it you know can be I a local do? one too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is what I do. I mean, I work with Hammer for Mac, obviously, and I create static HTML pages of all my templates. And then all I do is just to get the build folder from Hammer for Mac and drag that into the Ghost Lab window. It's just brilliant. And then Ghost Lab does everything else for you. So from there, you can just open up that site in any installed browser. Or the best bit, you can just point any device that's on the same network to the Ghost Lab IP address. The great part is, it's not an app that you have to install on all your devices. It just uses the web browser, any web browser. So, you know, if you've got 20 different Android browsers. All DS devices. I've been testing it on the game consoles and it works. It's just brilliant. There's nothing (laughs) to install. It just uses the browser. And what it does is it also keeps a watch on your project. So it pushes any changes that you make to all the connected devices and browsers. And, you know, doing what I do, I design using code. So it makes that really simple. I've been using Ghost Lab for the last few months now, and I can't go back. It's just a part, essential part of my toolkit. And another good thing is it's not a subscription service. You don't have to pay a bloody monthly fee for the software. Oh, it drives me nuts. <laughs> Everything's moving to subscription. I just like to buy it. So Ghost Lab costs £33. English pounds per user and you can install that on your two computers like your desktop or your laptop and there are volume discounts available as well if you need more so go to vanamco.com that's v-a-n-a-m-c-o vanamco.com slash ghost lab and get ghost lab and oh one more if you use the offer code unfinished business you get 30% off at checkout bargain i've been using it all day today um i've been doing some device testing on a site i'm working on and oh it's just brilliant it, you just you know you, you um put in your local kind of url i've got one that i've set up with mamp and um so i put that url in and i type in i type the like the 192.68 thing um, into the devices cause, and it's better than typing the whole web address because these things could be really long um, and 
you know, I'm, I'm, I'll be clicking about on the website and it changes on all the devices at once. And people come up to me and they're like, Ooh, what's that? Um, and I have my client look at it and just say, we need this. <laughs> so oh, no, it's magic. Um, they, they're going to get a license. Um, and oh, it's just brilliant. I mean, I, cause, cause it's something that, um, I haven't tried until recently. I, you know, I had an expectation it was going to be quite good, but I was blown away by how well it works. And yeah, seriously, just try the, get the free trial and try it out like on your phone and on your laptop. And yeah, just, just get it because it, it's brilliant. <laughs> I love it. I've noticed a couple of crazy things on occasions. When I was at WIPO, we were doing this demo and we had the site open on, uh, I think a couple of phones and a couple of tablets and mm. my laptop. And we're doing this thing where, um, with a new wiper design where it's a traditional kind of responsive navigation slide out, you know, like yeah. a left hand slide out for, for small screens on tablets as a menu bar with, uh, an expanding, a JavaScript expanding menu. So you click on a menu item and then it pops open the navigation underneath. Right. And then for desktops, it's done on hover and on click just so that, you know, you, belt and braces and the weird thing was was that um if you opened and closed it on one it would open and close it on the other and that freaked people out sometimes so you'd be showing and hiding the navigation and it'd be moving in and out on the phone um, (laughs) when you clicked it on the tablet it's really quite funny so uh yeah but for demos oh man it's brilliant it just speeds things up i mean i used to really resent it you know when i was doing all my game console testing the hardest thing was just typing in the URL of the web, the, the website. It's usually really, really long. Um, and now it just takes like a few seconds to type in that, that string. Um, and I can, you know, I can, I can click on things on, on the laptop and they're changing on all of the browsers. Um, and I, and I don't have to install anything. So, so what actually works on my game consoles, because a lot of these pieces like a lot of the things that do the same thing you've got to install software and you can't do that on most devices Mm -mm. i think the missing link now the missing piece has got to be screenshots because i know that some of these other tools (coughs) shadow (laughs) what they call it now don't call it that anymore do they who cares whatever they call it um one of the things that that could do would be screenshots but of course because you're installing an app it'd be nice to be able to do screenshots on your nintendo wouldn't it well, I just take pictures. Like uh, last week, I was I was doing device testing, and I just had all the devices out. You know, I'd click on a link, I'd take a picture of all the devices um, at once, and you know, the client could see what it would look like on all those devices. I mean, it'd be better to have all those devices in the same room, but um, I don't think Clearleft would like it if I just stole all <laughs> devices. <laughs> so we talked about Sarah before. Mm-hmm. Before we get onto last week's show um just a quick mention of um uh, what's her show called again happy monday really (laughs) happy monday they did a really good episode it's the second best episode of happy monday i've ever heard the first one was when i was on it obviously (laughs) that was the best one but no they did (laughs) I'm only kidding people. I'm not taking myself that seriously. All right. Um, <laughs> they did an interview with, how did they get him? Seth Godin a couple of weeks ago. Um, did you listen to this? No, I didn't even know she'd done it. Yeah. I mean, I think it's because Josh has been working with Seth and I don't know, perhaps he 
buttered his bread. But anyway, they got Seth Godin on the show, which is like best guest. <laughs> she did mention him um, last week's show, but I don't know mm. if she'd done a. Oh, I'll have to listen to that. Well, you know, to be honest, and I've said this, and I don't mean it about Happy Monday, I mean it in general, is that I get a bit bored with interview shows. You know, just in general. Um, I think it's, you know, it could be a bit predictable. But they got Seth Godin on. Man, the guy's like, I was sitting there on a sunbed with my headphones in, listening to <laughs> the Seth Godin one. I was like jumping up. <laughs> um, it was great. And he said some things, actually. He said some things in this, um, in this episode. You've got to listen to it about your brand and about who you are. And he said, your brand is not the tagline that you put in your SEO. Um, basically talking about Sarah. He said, your brand is trusted listener and advisor. And someone's going to hire you because they trust you. And they trust you because you're in the community, which I thought was interesting in terms of, you know, you're not just working here, but you're contributing. Mm. Um, and, you, you know, you're being an active, you know, part of the community, if you think that word is appropriate. And he said... The generosity of standing up and speaking the way you do comes through. And we have to acknowledge ourselves that this decision to be generous and to stand for the work you do without blaming someone else for it is the element of the brand that matters as we go forward. And I thought, whoa, (laughs) because I was thinking about it and, you know, And I'm not going to get onto a rant about conferences and speakers and stuff like that because, you know, we'll be here all day. But, you know, if you're one of those people that kind of complains about, oh, same old faces or speakers or whatever, the way that he phrased it in terms of speakers are doing this because of their generosity, you know, about sharing experiences right or wrong, you know, and that really, really inspired me. Um, and made me think about it in, in a different way. Um, because, you know, I've, I've been sort of staying away from, um, you know, from conferences and speaking for a little bit. Hey, you know, for, for a bunch of reasons, you know, I didn't think I had anything particular that I wanted to talk about up until recently. Um, and also I stayed away because, you know, I was sick to death of, um, that nasty criticism of, of, of people. Um, and yet this has just inspired me to, to go out and do it again. Mm. Um, which, which, which I'm really actually looking forward to. And just listening to that show a couple of weeks ago really changed my whole approach to things. Huh. So give it a listen. I'm going to be speaking, um, for the first one in ages at, um, it's hashtag or hashtag tide. Um, I'll put a link in the show notes, uh, October 25th in Scarborough. You've been that far north? Mm, I've been to Yorkshire. It's in Yorkshire. So the speakers at this little event, it's only a small kind of, you know, community event, really like the idea of that. Um, Linda Sandvig. Um, I know her. She's lovely. Co-founded Code Club. And uh, guess who else? Your boyfriend. <laughs> Yes, I do have a man crush on Harry Roberts. Yeah, exactly. So <laughs> Harry's going to be up there and some other friends of mine are going to go up there and uh, we're going to make a weekend of it. So yeah, I'm really looking forward to that. 
Oh, is this where you're going to be um, walking along the promenade? Harry's going to buy you an ice cream. He's going to buy me an ice cream, the fella. Aww. So I'm looking forward to that. So, yeah, so it's got me inspired to, to do things because I thought to myself, you know what? Stop listening to all of those negative voices, either you know in my own head or outside my own head. Um, and, you know, if you've got something to say, then don't be afraid of saying it. And, you know, that's what I'm going to do. So the other thing that Sarah mentioned um, in show last week was this idea of having like a, an industry put your rates up day. <laughs> um, now, we talked about this back in, um, do you know, it's episode two. Wow. 32 weeks ago. Because um, we used to do this thing years ago. It wasn't my idea. It was Sue's idea. Um, where on a random Friday every month, we double our day rate. And then any, any potential clients that we quoted or any little bits of work that we did on that day, we just doubled the rate just to see whether or not somebody would go, ouch. Um, and we carried on doubling it until people went, ouch. <laughs> um, and then we realized that we'd, you know, gone a little bit too far. I'm not sure about that. It feels a bit dishonest. It's really, really hard to judge your worth, I think. Yeah. And I think that far from being um, over-optimistic, I think lots of us, whether we're designers or developers, undervalue what we do. And I think it's a good way of finding out what our own customers are willing to pay. Um, and you know, what somebody's willing to pay is the fair rate for the job at the end of the day. Mm. Do you not? Yeah. I'm, I'm not really one of those hard nosed business people. I, 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 it makes sense to, um, to charge sort of just under what a client is kind of, you know, the point where they say, Ooh, that's too much. Um, but at the same time, I'd feel, I know I'd feel wrong if I were charging just as much as I possibly could. I, I, I think I'd have to justify that in my own mind. You know, I'd have to feel like, yes, I do. I am worth this much. You'd work uh, for pork buns. You would. Oh, don't tell people that. <laughs> it's my secret. <laughs> <laughs> hmm. Well, I mean, I'm not suggesting, you know, everybody rushes out there and doubles their day rates, but. I mean, if you, if you think that you are worth twice as much as you're currently charging maybe you should just charge that all the time but it seems a bit cruel to say oh just because you came to me on a friday when i was having this w rates day well no because then once you figured out that some once you figured out that people are prepared to pay i don't know 600 rather than 400 then you know your rate becomes 600 yeah you know maybe you don't double it maybe you just add an increment on so you know maybe you do you know four six eight thousand um and then you know you settle at where the natural figure lies yeah but i think it's easy to do if, if you're confident like you're getting enough work through and that is something you should probably do is if, if you're starting to feel like oh if i had another project on it would feel like too much like i've got quite a lot of work on you know start charging more because it, it makes sense to charge more when you're in a lot of demand but to just kind of do it randomly, I don't know. It feels doesn't feel right to me. I mean, we don't do it anymore because we've got more of a scientific method of figuring out what our rates are. But it did help us a few years ago 
um, because we were, you know, not that not that long ago either. We were really undercharging. Mm. Um, I think a lot of people what... don't realise that. Like I certainly didn't. A few years ago, I was charging ridiculously low rates, and it wasn't until I sort of bumped my rates up and realised that wow, this is actually like a normal rate to charge rather than to me it seems like a ridiculous amount. But yeah, well, it's... here's here's what I've figured out because I did do a few phone calls while I was on holiday, so I'm speaking from very recent experience where you know I had a few uh, people that you know potential clients, and I think I made I had like three phone calls on holiday. Um, one of them, I sat for, you know, half an hour and actually worked out what, you know, just the back of a napkin, you know, reasonable, um, you know, reasonable estimate would be. And I'm just going to come on what the figures were now exactly, but let's imagine that, um, you know, imagine that I said eight grand. I think I did say eight grand, um, to, to, to this one person. Well, they're not good. I'm not going to lose the work if they, if, if they only thought that they had seven. Yeah. Because they're going to say mm-hmm. to me, Oh, actually we had seven in the budget. Um, and then they're not going to, they're not going to be unhappy if I'd have said that they got nine. Yeah. Cause they're actually at that kind of level, a grand is, a grand is neither here nor there. Mm-hmm. What I did do with, with the couple of others, and this is what I found interesting is that, you know, when I kind of had a sneaking suspicion that maybe the person I was talking to was not possibly one of our sort of clients, um, and they would, they'd be like, they'd be in the kind of the, how much for a website crowd, right? Mm. And I would just say, well, I think you need to budget between five and six. And all of them immediately would go, oh, that's way more than I had in mind. Yeah. I was thinking, how much did you have in mind? Well, I've been quoted about 1200 quid. Mm. So boom, immediately, um, if somebody's not in your price range, they're not in your price range. Yeah. Um, and then I, you know, I did do the whole Sarah thing, um, of, you know, telling Educating, people about yeah. how rates were calculated so that, you know, maybe they get more of an opt, uh, you know, of a, we'll talk about this in a minute. Um, but actually, no, we'll talk about it now. <laughs> you know, I don't like to think that we are, you know, educating clients. And I never really like to use that phrase. Mm, um, I feel a bit funny saying it. Because it sounds a bit pompous, really. It's like, you know, yeah. well, I know and you don't, so I'm going to educate you. Um, I just think that you want to tell people, um, listen, like Sarah did and like I think we've talked about in the past, is you just say to somebody, look, that means that, you know, your your budget means that you can basically buy, you know, an average junior mid-level web designer for two and a half days do you really think you can get branding design and development done in two and a half days because if you can great and they go oh, i didn't realize it was that much so yeah no i like that and i i i think that what she said was very sensible and um pointing out to people just how rates are calculated and the fact that you know no you can't get you know you can't get everything for you know 50 quid and a pork bun, um, is important because you know that they're going to walk away knowing a little bit more than they did when you know than when they started off, which is a good thing. I like the example she gave where she's she was saying she had someone saying, I, I want a website for what's 120 pounds or something. Um, and she suggested that they, if they really wanted it for that much, they could get a template site, something like Squarespace, use that. Um, because you can get you know pretty much what you want with something like that for for some clients um but 
yeah, you probably a lot of people don't want that. No, and what I do say to people that that have smaller budgets often is, listen, there's nothing wrong in not having an, an awful lot of money because you know we all start somewhere. And actually, the fact that they've scraped together any amount of money to be doing work um, is a commitment. I mean, they're not telling you that they've got 150 quid because they're just being idiots, hmm. you know, or they're being cheap. Genuinely, they think that that's what something costs. And, you know, they've scraped together. And it's not easy these days. So they've scraped together that money and they're prepared to give it to you or give it to somebody, you know, in exchange for work. Well... What I like to say to people is, you know, listen, if you value that money, um, you know, you know, the best thing that you can do is actually to get things done as cheaply as possible. Test the market. Yeah. And if it looks like your business idea is going to take off, then, you know, reinvest some of that profit in improving the website. So, you know, start off really slowly. God, putting something on Squarespace would be a good idea. Yeah, I, I think you know, a lot of people turn their noses up at that, but I think it's actually a good solution for people who just want something up really quickly and yeah. it you know it doesn't it doesn't have to cost a lot of money no hell even putting something on tumblr you know you, you test the water find out whether your business idea is a good thing or not and you know three months six months down the line you know reinvest some money and come back with a sensible yeah yeah so come back with it with a larger amount of money and get something done differently um, and I give the same advice to people that have very little money, um, that I give to people that have an awful lot more because we do get people, you know, knocking on the door that will say, you know, I even had one lady that said, you know, I've remortgaged my house to pay for this website. Wow. And I'm like, you fool. Um, because, you know, you don't want to be giving a large amount of money to a web designer on a, potential business that you don't you know isn't going to work or you, you know it might not work and particularly if it's kind of you know an e-commerce thing where you're selling don't go off and bloody well get something built bespoke stick it on shopify mm. see you know see whether it works for three months and if it does work great you know keep building it up that's how you build up any business yeah so yeah <laughs> the other thing that sarah mentioned which we've been suffering with recently is um, doing a lot of work for you know, long-term clients, long-term contracts under NDA. Um, and then your portfolio doesn't change. Love that. <laughs> and <laughs> it's like, something. oh, Andy, you've just been sitting around all year. Well, <laughs> well it's, it's not that. There's, there's two things that irk me about that. One is you get these kind of Twitter morons that will go, oh, well, who's he to be up speaking? When was the last website he launched? You know, <laughs> those kind of idiots, right? But also... I don't care about them. Um, most importantly is that, you know, you get clients that say to you, um, you know, could I, could I, can I see some recent work? You know, some, some of the, that might be sort of similar in character to the, the stuff that I might want you to buy. I might want you to get to make. And you go, yeah, I haven't done anything. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and I can't show you it. That's, that's tough. That's tough. Yeah. Um, even if you, you know, I, I did some work, um, a few months ago that I thought was really good and I really wanted to show it off, but I, I can't. Um, and yeah, that, that sort of thing. Yeah. If you, if you, if you come up with, with some solution to something, I mean, you can do certain things like you can kind of refactor it and, um, take all the branding out and just make sure it doesn't show off who you're working for. Um, but still. 
it would be nice to be able to back it up with, well, this was a, a big site I worked on for, for this specific user um, audience. And yeah, not being able to, to do that is, it, it makes your point seem less valid. Mm, yeah. Well, well, I mean, you know, we can't, we can't crow over other people not updating their portfolios. Cause I realized the other day that I actually haven't updated our portfolio since I built that website a year ago. <laughs> That's how it works though, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, well, yeah exactly. <laughs> now, so, you're gonna re- now you've got to redesign it. Mm, so hence the reason why Josh is going to be working on some new stuff and we're going to be spending the, uh, you know, the next couple of months basically just working on a new portfolio. Mm. Um, cause we've done quite a lot of nice work, actually quite varied work this year with what with, you know, Sue joining us and I want to get that out there. So, um, yeah, that's one of the things that we need to be working on over the next yeah. uh, couple of months or so. Did you like the show I did with Marcus? I did. I'd apologise to Marcus if you're listening. Actually, I know there's no point in me apologising to Marcus because he openly admitted on the show <laughs> that he never listens to podcasts. But no, I did enjoy Marcus's, uh, Marcus's show. I thought it was really good. Um, what I found funny and, and interesting was I didn't realise that Paul Boag is completely obsessed with getting things done. Oh yeah, I mean, I read that book because he wouldn't stop talking about it, and yeah, it's he he's been doing he's been doing that for years. Yeah, no, I, mean, we, I read the book a few years ago, but and I think we even started to you know do a bit of um, do a bit of it, but it never really sort of sank in with me. Maybe it was just that I didn't get started in the right way. I don't know. I tell you what, I did like though. Um, which I think you mentioned as well, um, which kind of comes from that whole getting things done thing is Merlin Mann's Inbox Zero. Yeah. And that's something that I do and have done every, every day since I first saw it. And it's completely changed the way that I deal with email. Um, and I don't understand. I just do not simply understand how people, I mean, again, it's going back to Sarah. Yeah, she said, oh, I'm not very good at responding to email because there's like 500 things in my inbox. It's like, how? Uh, guilty. <laughs> really? Yeah, it's, I think it's because I'm, I'm at work all day and when I get on the train, it's, I don't want to be replying to emails and I don't like emails. I just, I have no. to decide what to do with them. And I have nothing. I have completely zero in my inbox right now. Um, and I've set up a bunch of folders and one of those subfolders, um, basically has, um, some stuff that I haven't filtered yet. So it's got some stuff from wiper where they've sent me some documents. Now they don't belong in my inbox. They, they need to be filed inside my, you know, my project folder, mm. but cause we were going to record the show. That's when they came in. That's where they are. Um, and there's one in a folder that says calendar. Because actually, I haven't got round to moving it to my calendar yet. Are you sure you haven't got any emails? Oh, you've just sent me an email. <laughs> <laughs> now, here's the thing, right? This is what I will do with this email. Is that what I don't have? Is I don't have an Anna folder. Oh. I no. Why would you even need to file these things? Because you know you've got Gmail or Apple Mail or whatever. So. I ne- I ne- I don't have a folder. If I have one folder where I just keep anything that I want to keep, right? And if I want to find it again, I just search for it. Cause, yeah, you know, yeah. I don't have, like, some people, they're like librarians. You know, they've got <laughs> a bloody folder for every client. It's like, Jesus, you know who sent it to you. Just do a search. 
Um, so th- what I do with most email, and I would say probably 95% of the email that I got, like I just got from you, is I go, I I have little, uh, I have tags. That, so I use Gmail filters and it will just add a tag um, to an email if it's a specific client. Um, and I delete those tags when I'd stop working with the client just because otherwise I get lots of them. Um, all it does is it adds a little label to the, to the email just so I can skim through and, and see like how many in my inbox are, are from the client. Actually, you know, easy pick through it. But, um, yeah, I go about every month I go through my inbox and just spend a couple of hours just going, Oh God. No, I do the whole thing. I think like Paul does as well, where you just check your email once or twice a day. Yeah. Um, so I'm not being distracted the whole time. Your notifications are turned off. And then literally, yeah, most of my email is delete, delete, delete. Um, and some people go, oh, you didn't get back to me to confirm that meeting. And I'm like, you sent me a message to say, we'll meet at two o'clock. You know, why do I have to send you one back that goes, okay, then. I like to send one back just say, repeating what they're saying, like, if they say meet you at two o'clock on Wednesday, I reply saying, okay, two o'clock on Wednesday. Cause sometimes they'll be like, oh, I actually meant Tuesday. Oh no, no <laughs> I don't do that. I just like delete. I don't even store that kind of stuff. You know, if it needs to go in the diary, it goes in the calendar. It's there. It's in the calendar. It's not in my inbox. So probably by the, you know, 10 minutes after we finish recording this podcast, I will have literally nothing that's in my inbox that I need to do. I'll make sure I send you lots of emails then. Oh, God, there we go. <laughs> Harry's show was fun. Yeah, I liked that a lot. We had we had a chat for about two hours after the show. It was brilliant. Yeah, the best <laughs> the best bit. I love that bit where he went, We've met <laughs> He's like No. But I I'm sure I met him. I even remember being at the bar and and him saying, Oh, I'm I'm Harry and and we'd be like, Oh, hi Harry and then him saying his handle and showing me his phone with his little CSS square on it. And it must have been a dream. I'm really embarrassed. Because <laughs> <laughs> normally I don't remember when I've met people, but <laughs> this I have a vivid memory of. Oh, that was funny. <laughs> that was funny. So either he has. Um... I think he's the one that's forgotten that he ever went to Brighton. Uh- <laughs> I think that he's either got a stand-in, he's got like a Harry Roberts stunt double. <laughs> That'd be good. Stunt double. Or there's just a, like a, a big northerner imposter. <laughs> That'd be funny. That'd oh, be really funny. I'm just really disappointed. Well, you get to meet him. Come up to Scarborough. What? That's a far away place. Yeah, but it's not Narnia. You can get there on the train. <laughs> oh, I wish it were Narnia. That'd be really cool. Then you I wouldn't can... have to commute. I'd just open my cupboard and walk through. You can get there on a train. Um Lots and lots of trains that, that might break down and someone might put a bag on my head thinking I'm a suitcase like happened a couple of days ago. Why how do these things happen to you? Because <laughs> I look I look like a suitcase apparently. I don't know whether that's a show title or not. <laughs> can we wrap up now? <laughs> You're just making can. me feel bad. <laughs> <laughs> so you can email me at she has at unfinished.bz and Andy is he has at unfinished.bz. Um, make sure you send him lots of email because he loves it. Oh, God. <laughs> 
or you can email us both at theyhave at unfinished.bz. All the links that we mentioned in this episode are in our show notes. You can find them at unfinished.bz forward slash 34. To ask us questions and suggest topics, message us on Twitter at unfinishedbz. And don't forget to rate us on iTunes because that's how other people will find the show. Thanks again to our sponsor this week, Ghost Lab, synchronised cross-browser mobile testing taken to the next level. Go to venamco.com forward slash ghostlab and we'll have that link in the show notes. And get um, Ghost Lab and use the offer code UNFINISHEDBUSINESS to get 30% off at checkout so that they know that you heard about them on this show. And we also have sponsor slots available over the coming weeks and months if you'd like to put your product or service in front of thousands of discerning geeks. See you next week. Ta-ra. Bye.